if I've got, I don't know, maybe five or 10 minutes and I want a quick release, you know the kind, I know the exact toy that'll do the trick. Or I know the exact friction and rhythm to deliver with my hands in order to do it too. But if I want to slow things way down for a totally different experience, when I'm not in a rush, when I can spend some true quality time with myself, there's some very specific accessories that I like to grab. Sometimes I blindfold myself or I dim the lights really low. Sometimes I use a feather up and down my arms while vibey music plays in the background. Sometimes I get as much of my body involved as I possibly can. I run my hands through my hair, down my face, and I let my fingers dance all over the surface of my skin. I put pressure on my inner thighs. I take my sweet time seducing myself before ever touching my genitals. And when I'm properly warmed up and efficiently lubed up, one of my favorite new bedroom accessories to reach for is the Oh My C from Ioba. I'm not sure what mechanism is in this thing, but the toy has a little nub that rotates at different speeds, so it mimics the sensation of being orally stimulated. It's nice, it's light, and it's quiet. Sometimes the sounds of my toys can actually take me out of my experience, so a softer, quieter toy is incredibly appreciated. I make sure to take deep breaths as I let the pleasure and sensation build, breathing it throughout my body, and when the time is just right, I pick up the speed of the rotation and I ride a full body wave of ecstasy. This is one of many acts of devotion I choose to regularly deliver to myself. And it's not about what my partner can or cannot give to me. It's about taking time to be with myself in my pleasure, doing anything and everything that feels good for me. If you're looking for a quiet, high-quality, beginner-friendly, super-cute vibe that doesn't actually vibe too hard, my personal recommendation is the Oh My See from Ioba. See the show notes for details and a discount. I'm Alexa, also known as That Sex Chick. And if you haven't guessed it by now, I love talking about sex. Not only talking about it, but I'm obsessed with helping you create an epic sex life while cultivating deeply fulfilling relationships. There's so much more to the conversation than just the act of sex itself, which is why I created this podcast. You can expect this show to be packed with resources, advice, experts, and everyday people talking about how they have created the best sex and love lives for them. If you are ready to take responsibility for your pleasure, then you are in the right place. Now, let's go talk sex, shall we? This is a Soulfire production. Hello, my loves. Joining me on the show today, I have Stephanos Safandos. Steph is a trained educator and relationships expert with a background in behavioral science who is extremely passionate about leading people closer to their highest potential and to each other. He has an intimate understanding of the work it takes to evolve into a better person and a better partner. He is committed to helping men achieve excellence in their lives and helping women connect and open their hearts to their partners. Having struggled and successfully healed himself from addiction, childhood trauma, and infidelity, Steph is eager to share the tools and realizations that empowered him to do so. Today, we'll be diving deep into what it means to be a man in this world, how to attract your ideal partner, and what tools are available to help you along the way. I hope y'all enjoy the show. 
Steph, thank you so much for coming onto the show. So good being here. Yeah, I am so, I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for, but like, I feel like Austin won, you know, because of you and Christine and you could have chosen anywhere to move, (laughs) you know, and then Austin won. So I kind of feel like, you know, the, the, the magnet that Austin is that happens to attract these really dope people. And then when I saw some posts happening on your Instagram and the geo tag was Austin, Texas, I was like, no fucking way. They're in Austin. All the dope people live in Austin. So (laughs) anyway, I'm excited. I feel like we won. Now it's not just Austin one, but I personally. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And it's so good to have um, you and Christina part of the community and getting y'all grounded in here. You know, I've been a fan of your work and then admiring Christine from afar. And that's mainly from the AFES days, a fan Mm -hmm. of your work only after I met you, which is some of my favorite ways to become a fan of someone is like I meet them in person like for some kind of like bond. I'm like, yeah, I know you. And then all of a sudden I'm introduced to your work online post getting to meet you. What was that? A-Fest Jamaica? Yeah. 2017? Maybe. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, this guy is awesome. So, and then of course, Christine being like, she wasn't at that event. So I had never met her in person and then just felt like an A-Fest kind of love. Like Mind Valley. I don't know if that's the way that it happened, but that's, you know, I pieced it together as this fairy tale in my mind. So maybe you can enlighten all of us um, on the, on the reality of the story. But um, yeah, it's, I'm excited to have you on the show this show because you were a part of the last show that I had, um, which we recently took down so that this one, not that it's really going to take its place, but it's, you know, I've got room for one and the other one was just kind of hanging there. So I'm excited to get a few more years of magic, a marriage for you, a move to the United States officially for you. So I'm excited yeah. to like have this conversation with this, you know, a few years later version of stuff. Oh, well, like I was just thinking back when we connected. I mean, I mean we both, you know, I don't want to speak for you, but I've just, I've changed. So much has happened in such a short period of time. Phenomenal. I mean, Literally, um, you know, a month or three years ago when we, when we connected, October, it was 2017, October, just so much has changed. I'm um, married, um, I'm here, I'm living in the US. Um, I, I didn't really ever think I'd be a permanent resident in the US here, um, really grounded here, and particularly Austin, which is more, you know, landlocked. It's not, I'm, because I'm an ocean baby. So, you know, I was down on the weekend, um, just doing some military training, some friends of mine who are ex, ex special ops guys. It was just super fun, but we we're near in Corpus Christi, so near the near the ocean. Um, and you know, the first thing I arrived in Corpus Christi, bang, straight in the water, like just in the in the ocean. And so I just never thought that I'd yeah I'd be here. But honestly, I'm really vibing with Austin, really vibing with Austin, and for so many reasons. You know, yourself and Jordan being a big part of that, just your, your kindness and your generosity and your inclusivity. And it just, it feels more like home, you know? Um, and there's still some getting used to certain things, but it feels like a really solid, solid base. I agree. It's what brought yeah. us here. It certainly wasn't the seasonal allergies that brought us here, <laughs> but everything <laughs> else, yes. In summer. <laughs> or the humidity. No, absolutely. But I am from South Louisiana, which is practically the same yeah. thing, maybe yeah. even a little bit hotter. So that's not new to me. It is new to Jordan though, because he has also like put him in the ocean. 
Yeah. Yeah. Put him in the ocean. And so I can't believe it was his idea to move here. And it was my idea. (laughs) I pushed it. When I say push, I didn't have to push hard, but I was really, I was saying to Christine, I don't know what it is because logically there's no real reason or reasons I should be here that are strong enough. But my body's saying, I need, I feel good here. We need to be here. And that's it. And we, we, we said, okay, let's do it. Let's just explore. And then it just unraveled from there very effortlessly and seamlessly. Yeah. I love it. So we could like full on just have a chat as friends while I am on the microphone and recording for the show, or I could dig into specifics of your story and why uh, I feel, and I'm sure people are going to come to this conclusion throughout this conversation, why I feel you are so special and so magical and such a gift to the world and what you bring your message. And it doesn't come from like, I think I'm just going to have this message. It comes because life as this human has presented so many opportunities. That's what I'm going to call them. Challenges, opportunities, something like that. At least that's what I like to call them for myself. So let's go not all the way to the beginning per se, um, but I know that you've had a decent amount to overcome in your life. And so I love to hear a little bit about that because um, one of my favorite quotes is what's most personal is what's universal. And so the things that you have gone through in your life, not a lot of people will go through them, but not everyone will come through them and want to then help others. And so um, I I believe sharing that story or pieces of your story are definitely going to resonate with some. Mm. Yeah, sure. I appreciate your kindness. I think, you know, what comes to mind is this, this notion of success and how we define success as a culture. Uh, and how we define success as individuals, which is very much influenced by our, our familial dynamics, our upbringing, and, and our society, of course. And you know, often we associate success with um, achieving great material wealth or status in the world or setting an objective and reaching that objective. And for me, I've found the, the, some of the greatest success that I've experienced and how I've defined success for myself has been a few different ways but one of them is just this this i'm actually going to pay attention to the things that are really troubling me in my life and i'm then going to act on changing that and maybe changing myself and maybe looking at the parts of me and being willing to look at the parts of me that are really uncomfortable you know the shadow parts parts that we don't like or that we think are bad or that we deem to be wrong or whatever it may be and that for me has been my greatest success is I think the difference between people that are successful and that are not at, at a meta level, right? Beyond what we spoke to a moment ago, superficial level, not there's anything wrong with superficiality at a surface level is that we just pay attention to who we are and what we're doing and how we're being in the world. For so many years, I didn't do that because I was so traumatized by my trauma that I, I spent every waking second unconsciously trying to distract myself from that, whether it be, prostitution, sex, alcohol, excessive physical exercise, um, chasing money, uh, you, you know, again, in, in extreme ways. And, the, and then these volatile experiences that I was having that was just really mimicking my childhood. And, and it wasn't until I just stopped and looked at my life and said, what, what am I doing? Who am I being? I mean, I'm leaving a trail of disaster here, hurting people. I'm, I'm breaking hearts. I'm breaking my own heart. I'm not following my truth. I'm living in, in, in misalignment. I'm not in integrity. I'm, I'm presenting this version of myself to the world. And I'm not really being, I'm being that at some level, but then behind the scenes, I'm, I'm hiding. I'm doing things that I wouldn't talk about openly. 
And so I had to really look at that. That was a very, that was a very challenging thing because it opened up a lot. It opened up a lot of shame. Memory started coming back because my memory, not very good. You know, with trauma, we experience trauma. There's a spectrum of trauma. We either remember the trauma, re- generally speaking, really acutely because it's our coping strategy of if I remember it acutely, I can pick up the signs very clearly. If it happens again, I'll just remove myself or protect myself. Or we completely forget our trauma. And that was a lot of me. Like I just forgot a lot, but I felt it. But I didn't have a what we call an explicit or um, uh, an explicit memory associated with that, right? Like more of an episodic memory. I didn't have that. I had this very implicit feeling that was very uncomfortable that I didn't like. And so instead of exploring, I just shoved it down. I shoved it away with short-term gratification. Again, some of the things that I mentioned earlier. Um, and challenges, excessive challenges, because I had to define my self-worth by the more hardship I could take on, particularly as a man, the better I am, the more valuable I am, the more utility I carry, the more useful I am. That was a hard one is, okay, well, what can I do to not be, to not need to be useful to people? Which is, how about I just be me and really love myself and accept myself for me? Not not be resigned to, oh, I'm me and I can't change you, but just say, hey, these are the parts of who I am, but I need to explore that, right? I need to be aware of that. Can I own that? And that was a that was a big process of big journey of just owning all of me. Mm. And I'm curious, where do you think that the journey to healing specifically began? Is there a pivotal kind of yeah. like this can't go on kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, the catalyst for that was about six years ago where I was in a relationship with a woman, you know, about maybe three and a half years we were together, four years total, including the, the space that we took to, so it was a very long breakup. But she discovered that I was unfaithful in that relationship and that just opened up Pandora's box in many different ways. And it really was for me, for the first time in my life, I said, I've got to look at my stuff. Like I've really, I just can't keep living like this. It's too painful. I just can't. And I'm hurting others. I was experiencing deep shame and remorse. And shame's debilitating. But when shame really hits you, when authentic shame hits you, it's fucking paralyzing. There's no, you either, you either numb it or you fucking work with it. And I'd numbed it for too many years and I just, I had to work with it. So I went, I went all in and I, and I really made the commitment. It was a very visceral conscious commitment to go all in into all of myself. Mm. And that, and when you say go all in, is it more like, I see this pain, I see the shame, I see for what it is, I can't go on anymore. So I'm going to lean as far into it as I possibly can and figure out my way through. It's one of those, like the only way through, wait, the only way out is through. Yeah. 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 That's what the bison does. So the bison sees the storm and it goes directly into the eye of the storm. Doesn't yeah. run away from it. So yes, leaning all in was no matter how uncomfortable it got. Of course, there were micro moments where I had to pull back to create space because it can be too intense. Like, you know, how long can you run a hundred meter pace at four? Like, you can't do it for 400 meters. That's why it's hundred meters. So I couldn't maintain the intensity for days and weeks and months, but it was all about, I'm just going to create enough space to go back in again. Um, and it didn't become an addiction to shadow. It, it became a willingness to really explore. And that was what all in was for me. I literally said to myself, I'm not interested. I don't, I'm not attached to what the outcome is. This is about self-exploration. I was, I felt suicidal. I had suicidal tendencies. I, I went that deep. I 
felt like I was losing my mind. And I did. I lost parts of my mind. I, I felt like I was literally going crazy. And I said to myself, it doesn't matter if I end up in a mental asylum, I commit suicide. This isn't about, I, I, I just, I need to, I need to explore all of myself and stop running, whatever it takes, just whatever it takes. It's pretty incredible because I think about uh, like what, what in that resonates for me. And when I first got started with this whole personal development thing, there was a lot of anger. There was a lot of like, oh, I've been lied to. And mm -hmm. all this stuff that I've taken as capital T truth is like built on, it's a house of cards. Like I just blow at it with a little bit of other types of truth and it just comes crashing down. And my body knows, like my body at one stage is like, oh, I can feel this is not, this isn't real. And whether that was about, um, you know, growing up as Catholic and growing up in very steep Southern Louisiana. So whether it was like religious dogma or blatant racism or just like people that I was, you know, con consistently being factored in like, who was better than who and then life about, you know, life being a woman and all these different things, like what I understood to be a human uh, today or however many years ago it was. And I get angry and um, essentially took, I covered up the hurt and the pain and the sadness of like father leaving very young and um, being teased and bullied growing up and being left alone a lot, like completely basically alone, um, which was, I would say traumatic in and of itself as a child, or it's like, I'm just alone all the time. And, um, mm. so I essentially didn't lean in to the pain I bypassed and said, you know what, this is not, I'm not going to live like this anymore. I don't choose to believe in this anymore. So what do I choose to believe? Okay. I'm just going to stop. I'm going to press literally stop on the system here and press go on that operating system, new insert, new hardware. And it was only a few years into personal development that I go, Whoa, I thought that I was like making some progress in this. Like I, and then all of a sudden hit in the face with, I always thought, I don't really deal with shame that much. I choose not to feel things. You know, I'm like, I'm good. Look at me. My life is great. I made better choices. I'm good. I essentially heard, I essentially started telling myself the same thing that my mom told me growing up. See, your life is fine. It can't be that bad. You don't want for anything. You know, and then only within, I would say the last few years and, and right before our move to Austin, even it was like, whoa, there's way more going on here. Yeah. And so for me, like I, I just like kind of ignored that stuff and didn't make my way through it. And just like skipped over it. Let's do a little bypass for a little while. <laughs> and now, and now really, I mean, it's been a couple of years that I'm like really super, what else can I lean into? And oh, here's a little blind spot. And what mentor can I put in this position? What workshop or like what, what true thing can I, or what true in the moment thing can I like be up against that can help uh, bring out some of that shadowier stuff. Mm. And it is like, even where I am now doing what I do now, there are times when I'll lean in, just like you were saying, maybe you were going to lose your mind. And I'm like, I feel fucking crazy. Mm. Wow. It doesn't last long mm. for me now, but there are these moments where I'm like, I'm losing it. And then yeah. I'll come through and I'm like, well, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. But that's really deep. And I didn't know that I could feel the depths of, I would say, sadness and pain. Like, but I've done so much work. How does it still, how do things still feel like that's so deep or whatever? And uh, to say like that work is, 
it's paying back in dividends over and over and over again. So while it feels like, holy fuck, I can't get through this. Um, or what will I become? Mm-hmm. Who I won't recognize myself or who will love me if, you know, insert any kind of limiting belief that's masking over a core wound of sorts. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty intense. And so I, all that to say is that everybody has their own journey with this stuff. And it's admirable that you are like, fuck, I can't do it anymore. So I'm going to lean into the hardest part of it. Mm. Um, when you say that the end of that relationship that, you know, I feel like that's probably it for a lot of people is that relationships, a hard relationship or one ending or the one that they never thought was going to end, it winds up happening. Yeah. And then that spurs them to get their shit together or like put something into motion or it throws them into rock bottom and then they roll around in the gravel and they're like, Oh, what was me for a little while? And then they're inspired on the other side of that. But you mentioned something specifically that I think again, very personal and very universal is infidelity. I personally have gone through relationships that that infidelity infidelity was interwoven into the fabric of the relationship. And so, you know, for you to say that you move through that is that, you know, you being the one that was, let's say, quote unquote, unfaithful and the healing that had to happen with that, like what, you know, from my side, I've been a, a lot on the receiving end of like somebody else is being unfaithful. So I've had to heal trust and all of that stuff. So it's, it's very interesting to have a conversation of you are on the doing side. So like, how do you heal from that? With, with great challenge, honestly, and with, with coming face to face with that shame and what's driving ultimately that, that action. And there was a repetitive action. And so for me, I had to dig deeper into, it wasn't, Hey, I was, whatever the reason was, it's irrelevant, but it was a consistent perpetual thing. It was an often thing. It was a practice. It was part of my practice to be um, secretly unfaithful. It wasn't that, that particular dynamic was not this uh, transparent, open, communicative container of, hey, we're in a non-monogamous relationship and these are our boundaries and these are our um, agreements. Not at all. It was we're in a monogamous relationship, but I'm going to do what I want behind the scenes. And that was very, you know, coming to, to the realization of that, I had to deal with, okay, where is the core of that really coming from? And that for me personally was going back into my childhood and that wounding that I experienced, the trauma and what I witnessed in my parents and the associations and belief systems that I formed unconsciously around commitment and freedom and marriage and union and partnership and intimacy and all of that. And what does it look like to be seen and to give and receive love and how do I do that? And to what extent can I really be open in relationship with who I really am and be, you know, quote unquote vulnerable. Um, and on the surface it appeared that I was, but I really wasn't. And so I had to come face to face with all of that. And, you know, Christine uses, my, my wife uses a very great, I think it's a great analogy um, where she, she says, you know, there's a thin gold chain. And it's sitting in your drawer somewhere and you go to get it and it's got all these knots in it. It's like you're trying for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, trying to get all these knots undone so you can, the chain can just open up cleanly. But it's not until you get that core knot that then all the other knots just seem to untangle, right? And that's what our psyche is like. That's what our life is like with respect to uh, traumatic wounding or psycho-emotional wounding or, or, or pain that we've experienced, that we've suppressed. Uh, it's we've got to go to the core of it to really start to undo everything that's been built upon that neurologically, behaviorally, emotionally, relationally. 
And that's what I did. And that's that, that for me was very liberating. And I redefined freedom. I redefined commitment. I, you know, literally for all of my life, I, my friends would be, would be in our early twenties and my friends would be saying, yeah, I'd like to get married at, you know, 28 or have a child with two children by 30. I'm looking at them thinking, what the fuck are you all talking about? What's wrong with you kids? And I was against all of that because not because I'd formed a very sound, well thought out, well felt out idea of what I want my life to be because I was, I was coming from fear. And I was masking as if I'm, I'm clear. I know what I want. It was fear, not clear. So it literally wasn't until maybe two, three, year, three years ago that I actually sat with myself and said, oh, I could really have a family and have a child. In fact, it's something that I would want. And if I never have that, I'm okay with it. So it's that level of non-attachment to be able to lean in as well, which was interesting for me. And for most of my life, I thought I'm not going to have that. I don't, I don't want that. I hate that. I, I pushed it away. I literally, I hate that. Pfft, my God. But that was all coming from fear and wounding. So that, that's, that's been a big part of that journey is really coming face to face with all of me without judgment. Well, at the beginning there was a lot and sometimes there still is. But to, to meet it without judgment and more curiosity and exploration. Mm. So good. And I did the same thing with the whole kids and marriage and family and everything. And I'm, I, the front that I put out was I'm an empowered woman and it's 20, whatever it was, 2017, 2018. And you know, well, we're not defined. We don't need a man. I don't need you. You know, it was like, I can be polyamorous and have everybody at an arm's length in various positions in the world where I gallivant and live life for me and avoid all of the mirroring you know, from these people, I had a whole story too, for sure. And it was only through goodness. I don't even talk about this very much, but a really traumatic DMT experience where Mm. so much of that cracked open where I was like, Whoa, this is a lie. This is totally a lie. And you got to look at this. And it seemed like I cried for no reason for about a week after that and pieced what I really felt back together and was like, Oh, I've got work to do. So. And I haven't returned to 5-MeO-DMT since. <laughs> no, no thanks for now. Um, but anyway, yeah. So when people, um, you know, I'll, I'll share my story or maybe they, sh- they hear you share yours and you talk about leaning in or doing the work or something like that. What does that mean per se? And like, what are some of the things that someone who's like getting really curious about making significant, truly deep change in their mm-hmm. life? What are some things, routes that they can take, things that they can, can consider, stuff that they can do? Yeah, for sure. For me, doing the work just means being open to all of who you are, not just the convenient parts that are more comfortable than uncomfortable. Doing the work for me means greeting every state, experience, and emotion equally. So you're not going to judge. Yes, we have desirable states. So Happiness is more desirable than sadness. Calmness is generally more desirable than anger and rage. Um, love and intimacy is definitely more des- is is generally maybe definitely but generally more desirable than disdain and hatred. But that doesn't mean that disdain, hatred, anger, frustration, resentment, jealousy, sadness, whatever. It doesn't mean that they can't teach us something. It doesn't mean we can't learn. And if we deny them immediately just because they're uncomfortable, then we're missing out an integral part of who we are and we have a feeling of fracture in the world. We feel fractured. We don't feel whole. That's how I felt. I felt fragmented, always trying to piecemeal myself together so I would chase these 
fucking high intensity, high intensity experience, such as being unfaithful. I would push the envelope on it or such as high adventure sports. Not that there's anything wrong with high adrenaline adventure sports. It's not about that. It's what's our come from. Where's it coming from? Fear or clear? Are we clear? Or is it coming from fear that's just driving us? So doing the work just means being open to all of that and, you know, being open to suggestion, being open to another perspective saying, hey, if you're open to hear this, I can share this with you, which leads us to the next question that you ask is what can we do when we're really, we've made a decision we want to be committed on that journey. Don't do it completely on your own. Let me be clear. Solitude, self-reliance, absolutely necessary. You need that. You need that. 100%. But the greatest masters of our time learned from someone. They didn't do it on their own. For a period of time, whether it be a day, a month, a year, 10 years, 50 years, they had a guru, a master, uh, someone they looked up to, a mentor, someone they even were at level with. But they were learning together because we're relational beings. We're not separate from the world. We're not separate from each other. So if you're really committed to growth and change, Find a mentor, find a coach, find a therapist, a psychologist, a group, a support group, a peer group that, that you can trust, respect, and revere, and it's reciprocated. And that challenge you healthily, that pull the best out of you, that say, hey, I want to share something with you that I'm seeing, and I don't think it's healthy for you, but you can take it or leave it, and it's coming from love. Like that level of honesty in your friendships, you know, that is what I would suggest. And there's going to, there are going to be times when you're going to need to be by yourself whether it's a 10-day Vipassana retreat, whether it's not dating for two years, whether it's a you know, no feminine or no masculine diet or no sex diet or whatever, whatever practice you've got of solitude, or whether it's disappearing to, disappearing to the forest for 10 days, whatever you do. Solitude is important. Self-reliance is important. It should be your number one go-to. And no person is an island. More metaphorical snaps. <laughs> you know, I'm like, yes, absolutely. I love that. That's the first thing you say is like, you don't have to do it alone. Great. What a sigh of relief. Yeah. Like, Oh, I don't have to figure it all out. Somebody's gone before me. That's usually what I say. Um, you know, because I, I get a lot of people, listeners, uh, people who follow me on social media, they reach out and they'll have some question. And man, if I spent all the time, like answering questions that people send to me in the DMS, like if I just, I could spend my whole day interacting with people in there, but I don't have the yeah. time for that yeah. um, because I'm busy living my own life. But I do <laughs> feel that like twinge of pain because people are reaching out because they feel some sort of connection to me throughout whatever I'm sharing. They feel some kind of resonance and connection and feel comfortable enough. Sometimes people will start a message to me and I'll say, I've never shared this with anyone. I'm like, why, how are you sharing that with me? And thank you. I appreciate that because that is a part of what I'm here to do and provide, um, even when I try not to. And usually my first thing is, okay, I want to give them something. So here is my Facebook group because mm -hmm. my group on Facebook is thousands of people who are sharing from personal experience that they might be just a few steps ahead on the journey or they are also going through a divorce, or they also have a partner who's experiencing pain during sexual intimacy, or they also are going through a uh, lack of ability to orgasm or low libido due to anti-depression medication mm -hmm. or uh, something. There are so many you know, different relatable things. I'm like, here, just if, if it feels so scary to say, or, or like it's not available to them to put money towards having a guru or they don't have, they legitimately don't have anybody in their life they can look up to, 
whether that's like an aunt, uncle, parent, something. They're like, here, join this gaggle of misfits because somebody in there is a little bit further ahead. They might not be like a mile ahead on the journey, but they might be like five steps and they can, they can tell you, Hey, there's a stick right there. Watch out, you know, on the journey or we're, we're coming up to taking a left soon. Like that's, that's all you really need. (laughs) So I at least like when people message me, I'm like, Hey, take this question, put it in there. I have one perspective. These people have thousands of perspectives and you can, you can choose your flavor. Yep. And that's a really good way to look at it too. Yeah. And that's it. You don't need to have someone that is, it can be someone that just supports you and sees you, witnesses you, satisfies one of the basic or all six of the, the human, basic human needs to be seen, to be heard, to be understood, accepted, appreciated, respected. You know, like just having that level of support allows us to feel a little safer, which creates more space in our minds, in our hearts, in our bodies to say, oh, maybe I'm going to be a little more courageous today and and go to that place that's really unfamiliar, unknown and mysterious to me, even though it's scary because I feel a little supported. It's like going into battle or use a war analogy, going into battle and just having a pair of shorts and a T-shirt on, whereas opposed to going into battle, having full armory, you're plated, you're vested, you've got weaponry, you know, whatever it is, you've got spare mags, you're all, you're all taken care of, whatever you, you've got your weapons, you know, you, you feel a little more secure and safe. And that's what people do for us, especially people that respect us and see us. When we feel witnessed, that's, that often is actually enough for growth to, act, to trans, begin to transpire. For sure. There are times when Jordan is... I can tell there's a moment where he does not know what the fuck to do with me and he just bunkers down. And then I'm like, all right, fine. I'll love you a little harder. You didn't waver. Great. Let's move on. What do you want for dinner? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So speaking of partnerships here, um, you know, you got married recently and um, yeah, I, I know that that was, I don't know if it was a surprise. It was a beautiful unfolding. And I'm curious, you know, like after going through so much stuff, what do you think was the most significant work that, that you had happen in order for you to call in your person? Well, a lot had to happen for me personally. I mean, I, I don't think I could have called in such a, a quality and integrity human being such as Christine at that level um, without having done that deeper class, without knowing myself, you know, having, having got to a place where I'm really aware of my stuff. And yeah, look, my stuff may, I still have lots of stuff to work on. We're human, you know, that's, that's just going to be, we're never going to stop growing. Therefore, we're never going to stop quote unquote working. Um, but I just, I was really aware of my stuff and I could pull it in real time as opposed to days or weeks later, it could be minutes and hours. I can really say, Oh, I can take ownership of my aggression. that just really leaked out and I projected it on you. I, I know that what just happened then was you remember, reminding me of something that happened when I was younger and it triggered me and I lost control of my faculties. I became reactive and I projected. I'm really sorry. I'm working on that. You know, like that's, and that level of ownership. And so it was just getting to that. And truth, truth, Alexa, was the biggest thing for me because I was so, I was so dishonest. You know, and I went through a phase where I was probably a little bit too honest as well because it's a slingshot effect, right? Like that's what we do. We move in extremes until we get our our balance, we get our, our homeostasis. 
I was just honest. That was, and realizing my level of honesty, I, I, again, I had no attachment to, do I need to be in a relationship or not be in a relationship? I was super happy. When I met Christine, I was 18 months single and I was really happy with where I was. And I was open to meeting someone. And I, and I knew that I'd know when that person is that person that is going to help me grow and I'm going to help them grow. I'm going to create magic in the, in the, in the world. And getting clear on my non-negotiables and what I wanted in relationship and how I wanted to show up, like really having clarity around that, that means spending time with myself, reflecting on all of that stuff diligently and, and repetitively. That's how I was able to really just create a meaningful relationship. And, and a big piece of that really, I, I'll reiterate this, is the non-attachment. Is I didn't I just I wasn't oh I need to be in a relationship no not at all it's probably the exact opposite I'm not in a rush for any of this I'm really enjoying wherever I am right now because I knew that when I'm in a relationship that what I'm how I'm being who I'm being right now is going to be a little different so just be really present to what I'm being now and what I'm experiencing absolutely I think like creating that uh, as a compassionate detachment. Yeah. I really, I really like you and you can be gone tomorrow and I know that I will be okay. Yeah. And I, and I'm like that. I mean, she's my greatest love and this is the most profound relationship I've ever had and the most honest grounded, connected, all the adjectives you want to use. And if we broke up tomorrow, of course I'd be devastated. Of course I'd be sad. And I have enough. See, this is the, probably this is the key piece is self-worth. Mm-hmm. That, that's really what it is. It's like, I am enough. I'm enough on my own. That's not me hiding. That's not me saying I don't want to be with my wife. Absolutely I do. Hence why we're both in the relationship still together. We want to be with each other. And we see there is tremendous value in being with each other. And we love that. And we love and care about each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're growing. We're growing. Uh, just the last few days we've been in some deeper discussions and, and sharing about, you know, what some of her needs are and that I haven't, I, I haven't been meeting them because I've been triggering some old stuff. And so I've got to step, I don't have to, but I want to choose to take ownership of that. And, and Christine is to choose to express that and be really okay with that, even though it's daunting and confronting for her. So we're, you know, we're always going to work through layers, but that's, that's the key is that is, I think that's, this is it for humanity right? is how deeply can we go all into everything we're doing with as little attachment as possible. That, that's, that's the secret. We, if we can do that and be that, I think we've got life nailed. And yeah. because that's connected to the self-worth and the am I enough piece, the insecurity. Yeah. I don't feel enough, so I'm going to behave this way. Yeah. I think about relationships before this and there was that expectation was all over it and attachment in various ways and this pulling and pushing and all of that. And so there was this volatility in other relationships. And so the, the nervous system was like completely and totally lit up and there's a spike in all these neurochemicals and it was like a drug. And so it's like, you're just describing a relationship with Christina. Like I very much have that with Jordan. It is the steadiest, like there's so much self-aware, self-awareness and it's completely and totally different to any of the other relationships that I've been in before where it was just like, you know, I'm on a roller coaster. I'm not strapped in. It's not fun. I can't get out. Everything that I believe of myself is wrapped into this being successful and success is determined by longevity and nothing else, Mm. you know? And then I get with, uh, Jordan 
And I was very much in a similar place where I was like, you know what? It'd be great. And these are my standards, my soul. I've often kind of times call them my soul level standards of like what I want and desire. And I would know when I found it, when it looked like this based off of how I respond to it and all of this. So I like had this like deeper, like what's really present here and what, what would I really say yes to? And also I'm not looking for it with that, like, uh, desperation energy. Like, Oh, please. I'm calling in my person. Let me just like clear out the side of my closet and make sure I only sleep on one part of the bed. Cause you know, I want a law of attraction my way into having someone who loves me all the way the distance. Again, that means longevity. So I like, wasn't going to go there and then wound up, you know, call it in. Ugh, I, I also have all of the adjectives. <laughs> For Jordan, where I'm just like, you are my greatest achievement in life. You are a marker of like, I am proud of myself because I have you. Like the work that we do together and we continuously show show up and show up and show up. And I'm like, oh gosh, this thing that I'm leaning into with you, this would have fucking crushed me in the past. And now you and I are looking at it like, fuck yeah, this is the breakdown for the breakthrough. Let's get dirty. We're going through it. It's so good. I remember in the beginning, I looked at him and I said... I love the fuck out of you, everything about you. And just like you said, I would be devastated if you were to go tomorrow and I'd be okay. Yeah. 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 Potent. Super it powerful. Is. It really is. So inquiring minds want to know. I'm mm. just going to assume that I have inquiring minds in the audience mm. right now. That like, how do you know when, cause I, I, I haven't done the research for the listeners, but if I look at uh, the breakdown of my group and the people that follow me on Instagram, it's about 70% women. <laughs> so, and I bet you sway, even though you do a lot of men's work, I bet you have quite a bit of, it's, about of 70%. it's wild, right? So, Hey ladies. Um, but you know, how would you know, like for you, let's make it specific for you approaching Christine and like you're first starting to interact with her. How did you know queen? I know that that's a word that y'all use pretty frequently. It's like, how do you like, oh, fuck, queen. I knew, and maybe it wasn't an immediate knowing. I, I, I immediately knew there's something here. That I immediately, immediately knew. And when I say knew, it wasn't this, this purely cognitive intelligence. It was this whole body intelligence, this whole body knowing. And again, that comes from clearing a lot of the past clutter, clearing, creating space and self to be able to listen to the intuitive hits that we get. Um, and it's also re, re, reforming and recreating, reshaping new neurological patterns as well. So we're not just attracting old stuff into the present. We're not seeing the present through the past, through the lens of the past. I just, it was, it was one of those, again, I know because I just feel clear in myself and I trust my clarity because I've done enough work on myself. I've been deep diving for years and I just know, I feel it. And I just trust myself. I trust the decisions I'm making. Um, and I'm not attached to the decisions I'm making. Well, I'm far less attached. I'm going to say I'm not attached at all, but I'm far less attached. Um, and that, that's really, that's, that was it for me. That's how I knew. And now y'all do some pretty amazing work in the world together, right? Mm. Yes. Yeah, um, so I would love to hear a little bit about that. Yeah, some of the moments, but because we we teach very similar things, so mm-hmm. um, you know we're passionate about very similar things: that inner child healing, healing past trauma, 
clearing wounds of the past, you know, really creating from a place of substance, clarity and spaciousness, creating our future and our vision, collective and individual. We teach a, an amazing program called Be the Queen for single ladies, really helping them call in great love in their lives, but really the whole, not the whole, but the big part of the journey. Yes, it's all dating and relationship advice and guidance and frameworks and all of that, but a lot of it is clearing out the past so you can create internal space, psychological heart full space in your being, in your life, and break those patterns that are really drawing in repetitive relationships. And you know, because you mentioned this, like myself as well, that are just same relationship with different haircut, you know. Um, so that's a, that's a big, big program we teach together. We have an inner child workshop that's all about um, healing your inner child. And it's parts therapy, essentially. You know, it involves internal family systems, gestalt therapy, um, uh, Jungian archetype work and, and other archetypical work, really getting to those parts of ourselves and those wounded, hurt parts and the creative, playful parts. So that's a very powerful. We've got level two coming up in, in a couple, at the end of September. Um, level one, we just went, we did our second level one this year. It's, it's really powerful. And we, we do live events together as well. And that's, we had to cancel Austin, unfortunately, which would have been at the end of September 2020 because of what's happening in the world. However, um, next year, as early as we can, we're, we're back on. That, that involves, that's a deep transformation, transformative experience on so many different levels. We're talking about clearing out a lot of demons and connecting to, to the divine, connecting mm. to something beyond our physical um, familiarity here. It's, it's, it's a beautiful, the way that the system that we've developed around that and leaning on all other people's systems and great minds and, 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 and great, great methodology already existing and combining these different methods and, and even our own, um, the release work that takes place is pretty profound. We're very excited about that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to call in. You know, my, my person, he's, he's here, but I'm still curious about this, you know? I mean, well, because if the workshops and stuff are more about the queen then that's not necessarily you're calling anybody, it's like you as an autonomous sovereign woman, whether you're in relationship relationships or not is like, how do you embody this? And I, I challenge myself. There are times where I'm like, oh, my word is, um, I went through an exercise. It was one of the Tony Robbins exercises. Uh, it wasn't the value solicitation. That's an NLP thing. It was something about like, what is your main value that you want to lead, lead your life with? And I have, you know, these unconscious ones that, you know, have to do with like being valuable based on achievement or like whatever. And like, that's how I like determine value. And, and I went through and did this whole process. And the number one value that came out of it that I wish to live my life with was grace. And I was like, I didn't know I wanted, I wanted that so deeply. Like the way that I want to move and be and show up is softer. It's more graceful um, and full of grace. Like, ah, I just I like did this exercise. And, and so I, after that was like towards the beginning of 2020. And now anytime I have a little bit of edge, like a little sass, that's a part of my personality. And like, I do not want to, that I don't want that to go away. You know, I got a little edge going on. I don't want to lose that. And so there was a little bit of a fear that if I soften and if I become more graceful, I'll lose the edge that people really love me for, you know, those that do love me. I imagine there's some people that don't like that edge at all, but, um, but all throughout this year, you know, I like, but what would I do if I were more graceful? And that's what queen represents to me. That's also like the epitome of 
uh, maiden into mother is like what is present with the mother is like the ability to be fully present with the children and her relationship with herself. There's just like this ease that kind of exudes from her. And I'm like, okay, what I got to do to put down the art, the, 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 the weapons. And I'm like trying to defend all this yeah. stuff from coming at me. And like, how can I rest? and breathe and be and, and feel so connected to who I am inside and like operate and all of that. And so, um, that is my personal journey. And so when you describe this whole queen deal, I'm like, Oh, great. I've already been in this work. Throw me in more. Like where's, where's the next level? Like put me back in the gauntlet. Right. I always love who I am on the other side. It's fucked me up. I cried. I threw up or no, I don't throw up, but, uh, who knows, you know, depends on the plant medicine there's, but like yes. some, and though some of these kinds of containers that you just described feel like a journey, like they feel like oh, yeah. a medicine journey. Oh, it's 100%. Incredible. So most, most definitely, most definitely, you know, we, and it was interesting you spoke about armor. We, we went on, on a journey with, uh, there's some beautiful human beings that we were invited to uh, a couple of weeks ago here in Austin. And, you know, some stuff that came up for me was if, if I, if I let the armor down, I let people even more in because I am very open. I am very, very connected and intimate with people in my life. And there's another layer there that's still protecting from old stuff. Right. And if I let that go, there's this fear that I'll lose my strength. I'll lose my, ability to protect others or people leaning on me. And I've got to separate that. And that's, so that's part of some little bit of the work that I'm, I'm in right now at, at a deeper level is can I separate that and know that they're not mutually exclusive? Um, you know, that I, that they can be separate. I can let my guard down even more, even at another level and still be strong in my constitution, whatever that means for me. And so I hear you about the, the de-armoury. Let's go even deeper into that because that's, that's the juice. Right? That's the intimacy, right? That's the connection. We all crave that. No matter who you are, you, we, you, know, you look at toughest guys in the world, special ops guys, right? Like they crave connection. Do you know how there's something so powerful about being in a, in a four-man unit or a, a six-man, nine-man unit, whatever, and knowing that what you do the, the, the survival of the person next to you is predicated upon what you do and the bonds that you form. And yes, yeah, some are unhealthy and some are, but, but beyond that, it's this yearning for, I want connection and people seek it in different ways. So it doesn't matter how, and this is what I'm understanding, no matter how tough we can be on the exterior, or even in the interior, if we're so tough that we shut people out, that toughness isn't worth anything because that, that closeness to connection is what we crave the most. So true. So, so, so true. And I think like on so many different levels too, uh, growing up, I went through hurricane Katrina and mm. was displaced and couldn't go home. And then when I got home, it was in compl- it was a complete, it was just like a degree of what it was before the storm and then piecing it back together. And at the, and that was the first time that I experienced truly. And I look back on it and I experienced, uh, the people around me were going through the exact same th- thing that I was going through. So love. Like we're in this together. And it was very much a we're in this together, like building your home back and stripping the stuff, you know, the sludge from inside of your house. And like people that I was in school with that I I was a senior in high school. So there was a lot of cattiness and all that. But that person I spoke ill of last year just lost everything. So everybody is in a state of, you know, loss of sorts. And like there's this weird level playing field and it's like a we 
get through this together. There's not a, you get through this on your own. And if you try, it's going to hurt real fucking bad. Mm -hmm. And so I think about something like that, or I think about, you know, Jordan's brother, Ryan was in the military for a while. And he, I think when I hear him speak about the military, it's very much, it has like, I know it might sound dramatic, but it's like a, the military saved me kind of energy where it's like, that's the first place that I experienced connection in that way. Like you say, and humans are fascinating, like need the space, but need the connection. We're just like walking, talking paradoxes of sorts. It's fucking cool. I, you know, I have friends that they are, they will say things like, Oh, humaning is hard. Or it's just, you know, I'd rather be a plant or a star or something. And I'm like, I kind of dig this human thing. Like it's all over the place. And I am always caught off guard and surprised. And so, you know, journey, I should say. So um, we didn't even get into really the men's work that you do. I know Jordan originally met you at a Sacred Sons Convergence experience where you're doing, you know, we spoke a lot about like Queen and calling your partner and some of that stuff. And I know that a part of your work and, and actually I'll just ask this because I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to assume that I know exactly what your work is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we can more or less wrap up with, I'd say a little bit of what you do in that space. And, you know, I get asked this quite a bit in my community spaces, mostly from women and then occasionally from men. Mm-hmm. It's just like, what's the work that men need to do today? And, you know, and this whole relational thing, like women can do all this to like be the queen and be sovereign. There's a lot of things that you described about, you know, a woman in partnership or a woman like coming in her own and all of that, that translates directly. But there's some stuff that I feel like is truly unique to men who wish to Maybe, maybe this will be their words, be better men. So I didn't want to have you on the show and not bring that up. Yeah, so just, just with respect to the work that I do with men, mm-hmm. I love the, men, the men's work that I do. And in fact, I'm, I'm doing another uh, Sacred Sons' Convergence is on again in a couple of weeks, early October. Um, and I facilitate a lot of that men's work by myself as well. So I work in a one-on-one capacity with men, really going deep. I work with high-level entrepreneurs and CEOs as well that are creating and serving in the world and helping place them in the best position possible. Um, I work with a lot of men that uh, have been defined by everything else but themselves in their lives, whether it's their father, whether it's their circumstances, their girlfriends, their wives, their children, whatever, and not themselves. They're really helping men shore themselves up, um, great gain greater self-confidence. I work with men that have many different addictions and compulsions, sex, love, pornography, uh, addictions with substances and substance abuse, addiction with ego, vanity, um, low self-worth, false bravado, um, overconfident. And, and, And really what it comes down to is we just all need support. And we need insights. We need insights and tools. And as I help men, I, I, I help men see themselves for who they truly are. I don't define masculinity for them. I help them define it for themselves. Sure, I have ideas on what all of that is. But that's not... We have to be self-empowered enough to be interested enough in our own lives to search. And so I help men explore and, and, and create disciplines and structures in their lives um, and also connect to their hearts too. So it's it's not an either or thing. It's not a let's. I help men be more emotional. Sometimes I have to help men be less emotional because some men are really fucking leaky in their emotions, and that's completely not attractive from a polarity perspective. 
And I'm not talking about attractive as in judgment or that's attractive. That's not, I'm talking literal uh, sexual attraction. Um, and so and when they are attracting certain people, um, it's not a healthy dynamic. It's coming from old wounding. So I help men really clear up their past. You know, so many men experience so much pain. You know, every time, this is anecdotal evidence. This isn't empirical evidence by any means, but every time I run a workshop, a men's workshop, and I'll do particular exercise, whether it's 10 people in there or 100 men. And this may appear really shocking. Again, anecdotal personal experience and also in, in um, collaborating and communicating with my peers in the industry who are men's coaches and, and so forth. Minimum, minimum six, more like seven out of ten have experienced sexual abuse in their lives. And we don't, we don't talk about that. And this isn't comparing. Women are high, by the way. Women are more like eight and nine, realistically. Empirically, it doesn't show that. It demonstrates less. But realistically, we, again, anecdotally, personal experience, that's, that's not my experience of it. And there's people are lying that they've experienced sexual abuse, which I really don't think so. It's a very shaming thing. It's a very difficult thing to speak to and be open about. And so a lot of men, they hide their pain and they don't know how to process it. So I help men do that. Really stop coming from fear and living from that place. That's incredible. <laughs> and so deep. And I'm sure that there's so many people that are listening to this now that are like, oh, let me just send my man to you. <laughs> you know? I would just say, take, take and take a note of what I was talking about a little while ago about being graceful. Mm-hmm. So if you wind up sharing any of this information, you know, I share a lot about what Jordan does and the work that he does and all that. He's a little bit of a different flair. Uh, he has more of the conscious court jester to him where it's like playful and silly, but it's also sincere and all of that. And I think that that's beautiful. And I am always so impressed when he winds up going to events like Sacred Sons or um, a number of years ago, it was Grounding Camp and Grounding Man and all these tantric bioenergetic things that he was going to, to help express and release. And, you know, instead of doing all the talk therapy, it's a bit more of the tissue involvement and breath work and all of that. And uh, I've seen a number of photos from some of those experiences and it's just like, holy shit, it's powerful. So, so, so powerful. And um, I'm super appreciative that you are in that work. Uh, and then for you and Christine also to be doing the work that you're doing together, it is admirable. I feel so blessed and honored. Again, Austin won. I, we won. Um, and it is priceless to, um, to have people like you I'll say just from my own personal experience, people like you in my community or people like you who are available to someone like Jordan, you know, like that, what that makes available in life and love and relationship and connection is so priceless. And so thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the work that you do also for coming onto the show and for all the fun things that we are still to experience being new best friends in Austin. hundred <laughs> percent. I love that. I cannot wait. And thank you. Thank you for how you show up and thank you for having me here. Of course. Thanks again, Steph. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week. <laughs>